Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Grace and Peace of God, Love Wins. Today, we're going to be looking at the Proverbs 31 woman, and I do have a special spoiler alert. Today, I'm pulling together multiple resources that are all pertaining to Proverbs 31, otherwise known as the virtuous woman and wife. Now, many variations do exist depending upon which Bible version you choose to read from. However, the main point is always the same, and I'm going to encourage you to read this on your own and then apply some of these key takeaways that we discussed today. Now, first, keep in mind as we read through Proverbs 31, who is she? And then ask yourself, is what was taught about her still relevant today as it was thousands of years ago? All right, so let's dig in and we're going to read Proverbs 31 now. And it's the sayings of King Lemuel. These are the sayings of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. O my son, O my son of my womb, O my son of my promises, do not spend your strength on women, on those who ruin kings. And is it not for kings, O Lemuel, to guzzle wine? Rulers should not crave liquor. For if they drink, they may forget their duties and be unable to give justice to those who are oppressed. Liquor is for dying and wine for those in deep depression. Let them drink to forget their poverty and remember their troubles no more. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those who are perishing. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. A wife of noble character, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is worth more than precious rubies. Her husband can trust her, and she will greatly enrich his life. She will not hinder him, but help him all her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spends it. She's like a merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girls. She goes out to inspect a field and buys it with her earnings. She plants a vineyard. She's energetic and strong, a hard worker. She watches for bargains. Her lights burn late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She has no fear of winter for her household because all of them have warm clothes. She quilts her own bedspreads. She dresses like royalty in gowns of finest cloth. Her husband's well known for he sits in the council meeting with the other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs with no fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise, and kindness is the rule when she gives instructions. She carefully watches all that goes on in her household and does not have to bear the consequences of laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. 
So when we explore the entire book of Proverbs, we find out that King Solomon had much to say about women in general. One might argue he was a subject matter expert. The estimated number of wives that he had totaled 700, along with 300 concubines. Now, a concubine was a woman who lived with a man but held a lower status than a wife. And the good news is that the book of Proverbs, as well as the rest of the Bible, was penned under direct inspiration and guidance from the Holy Spirit, who gives practical guidelines and insights for how to live life. And Solomon wrote most of the book of Proverbs with Agur and Lemuel contributing to the last sections. Now, Lemuel was a king. His name meant devoted to God. And we know that this final proverb was given to King Lemuel direct from his mother. Scholars are are not in agreement about who King Lemuel was. Some argue Lemuel is another name for Solomon. But if this is correct, then that makes Bathsheba his mother. And Bathsheba, if you recall, was the woman caught in adultery with David. Their first child died due to the sin of attempting to cover up the adultery and then the killing of Bathsheba's husband. So this would really be quite remarkable if this advice was from Solomon. But what we do know is that God is a miracle worker and can turn any situation around. Now, another group of scholars argue that King Lemuel is from the kingdom of Masa in northern Arabia. This is why he's not mentioned among the kings of Israel or Judah. Nonetheless, Proverbs 31 is wisdom of a queen mother being shared with her son. And in the opening book of Proverbs chapter 1 verse 8 and again in chapter 6 verse 20, Solomon teaches not to forsake the law of your mother. The law is referring to the first five books of the Old Testament, also known as the books of Moses or the Torah. These books are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now in verse 2 of Proverbs 31, we're given information that lets us know that this queen mother was qualified to give her son advice as she had exchanged wedding vows and the son was born into this home honorably. She goes on to tell us in verse 3, Do not spend your strength on women, on those who ruin kings. This was a warning where you place your focus, energy follows. And in Solomon's case, as previously mentioned, he had 700 wives and princesses, along with another 300 concubines. And these women were not Israelites, and thus this was a direct violation to God's command to marry, to not marry outside of the Jewish nation. And we learned in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 3, that all of these foreign wives turned his heart away from the Lord. According to Andrew Womack, God wanted his people to marry within the faith and marry someone who shared their belief. Interestingly, in verses 4 through verse 7 talks about alcohol, but it's important to note, again, this was a queen mother's advice for her son, who was a king or a national leader. Leaders, you see, cannot afford for their minds to be clouded or impaired from alcohol. They need to be clear-minded so that injustices or poor decisions are not made. And this includes both national leaders as well as the leadership within our homes. Really, it comes down to anyone bearing responsibility for the fate of another person. 
When alcohol is used to anesthetize ourselves, eventually principles are compromised. And this was an interesting note. Andrew Womack also gave an opinion in his Proverbs 31 commentary saying, when a person's thinking clearly and properly, the mind is like a valve or a filter that keeps Satan from putting things into our heart and keeps wrong things in the heart from coming out. They can restrain and control themselves. So consequently, Solomon tells about the futility of pleasure in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 3. He shares, After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine while still seeking wisdom. I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I hope to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. Here Solomon was affirming temporal things in life must be seen in light of the eternal. And you may be wondering, are there any upsides to becoming overly intoxicated or drunk? The good news suggests that yes, there are. But now let me tell you the bad news. When you're ready to die. So getting drunk serves three main purposes. First, momentarily forget or put aside our troubles. Secondly, potential hangover from the sulfites used as additive, added preservatives found in wine or the naturally occurring sulfates that are the antimicrobial agents produced as a byproduct of yeast metabolism during the fermentation found in other drinks. And then third, finally, drinking can be very expensive. So recall again, this advice is coming straight from the queen mother. Now, God wants to be our refuge and our strength. He doesn't want us turning to chemicals in lieu of him. But verse 8 tells us that we're to speak up for those who have no voice and to ensure justice for those who are perishing. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless. Here the unborn are being referenced. We know the right things to do when the opportunity presents itself. We need to be their advocate just as Jesus is our advocate to the Father. I also believe the helpless is referring to many people who approach the end of life and also need advocates to ensure their needs are met during that transitionary stage. And we have an obligation to make sure our seniors are treated with dignity and the respect they deserve and that they have shown to us. And finally, we move into scripture about the virtuous woman or wife. Right away, we're confronted with the question, who can find an excellent woman, one who is spiritual, capable, intelligent, and virtuous? Well, verse 11 shares with us the heart of her husband trusts in her with secure confidence and he will have no lack of gain. This is referencing the mind of a virtuous wife's husband, his insides, not his emotions, his commitment to her grows over time out of his confidence in her strength, abilities, and resourcefulness. She is tenacious and he knows she will follow through on all she begins. Verse 14 illuminates this woman as one who is like the merchant ships, abounding with treasure. She brings her household's food from afar away. And this is an expression of a woman with strong character, great wisdom, who is both skilled and compassionate. So why is the virtuous woman so successful? Well, we're given the reason in chapter 16, verse 3 of Proverbs, 
We're told to commit our work to the Lord and then our plans will succeed. And the virtuous woman and wife obeys this command. She pauses and does not worry. This is faith being placed into action. The angels and the rest of the spirit world take notice. And this demonstration of trust weakens any principality out there who's assigned to foil her plans. This type of woman is rare. She's worth more than precious rubies. Online, a one two-carat oval ruby solitaire pendant was priced out at over $21,000. This is suggesting a virtuous wife is more worth more to her husband than multiple rubies. In other words, she's priceless. This is not because of the scarcity of the ruby stone. It's because this woman is an excellent wife and mother. She's a godly wife. And most men can rattle off their net worth as it ties into all their assets, but will fail to take into account their number one asset, their virtuous wife. It's often been said behind all great men is an even better wife. Now my belief is that it takes two operating in unison to achieve common goals. The book of Ecclesiastes says in chapter 4 verse 12, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. This means in partnership lays true success. The threefold cord is God plus a God-fearing husband and wife. And today, many people believe giving 50% each is enough. Thinking, do the math, 50 plus 50 equals 100%, right? It's not enough. Each partner must give a minimum of 100% to the marriage for true lasting success. Marriage teaches us how to place love into action and be givers rather than takers. Beginning with chapter 31, verses 10 through 31, we find an acrostic poem. These poems place their attention on the first letter of each verse, beginning with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Acrostic poems were used to aid in memorization. The fact that it is used in Proverbs 31 sheds importance on the wisdom literature being passed along through the generations. Other areas of the Bible utilize acrostic poetry as well as the Psalms and the prophetic literature and wisdom literature. The belief is that the queen mother was providing her son with a composite of the ideal wife. Not every woman would be blessed with all of these characteristics. But here's where it gets interesting. The virtuous woman flips the narrative of what many people think a biblical woman looks like. Wrongly, it's often thought that an ideal woman of the Bible is retired, servile, entirely domesticated. This could not be furthest from the truth. Allow me to introduce you to the virtuous woman and wife. She is at the top of her game, an icon in her own home and community. She's a manufacturer. She's an importer. She's a manager. She's a realtor. She's a farmer. She's a seamstress. She's an upholsterer. And last but not least, she is a merchant. Now, Dr. Jeremiah highlights six key areas that are illuminated for the virtuous woman and how she can be a blessing. First, the way she works with her hands. This woman reaches out with her hands to work, help the poor, and provide for her family. Second, the way she creates a home. This woman sacrificially builds a home, often unseen by the outside world, but always visible to God. Third, the way she considers herself. This woman never forgets to treat herself with care. 
Fourth is the way she invests in her marriage. If she is married, this woman is a key to her husband's position and success in the community. Fifth, the way she speaks. The woman speaks with wisdom and love. And Joyce Meyer reminds us that teaching and kindness are on her tongue. Kindness is one of the nine fruits of the Spirit. And finally, sixth, the way she exercises her faith. This woman knows and fears God. Her dignity and strength come from God, not from her capabilities and accomplishments. Her attractiveness or outward beauty is never mentioned. Often our society places false value on the attractiveness of a person, all the while failing to look at the depth of a person. You know the old adage, don't judge a book by its cover? It's a great reminder here. The virtuous woman's beauty stems from her inner character and shines outward. We know that behavior and beauty can be deceitful and short-lived. A woman needs to be praised for her spiritual in-depthness, not her outward beauty that fades like the noonday sun. We're to praise all women who follow God and more importantly, fear God, meaning that they obey his commands. The book of Proverbs begins in chapter 1, verse 7, with an imperative statement. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Only fools despise wisdom and discipline. What is Solomon talking about here when he says fools despise wisdom and discipline? Well, Solomon's saying that a fool is a know-it-all, a person who has opinions about everything. A fool is a closed-minded person. The book of Proverbs ends with the virtuous woman fulfilling this imperative statement. All of the blessings she brings to her marriage intertwined with her reverence of God make her the ideal woman or wife. So it's no wonder the book of Proverbs ends with the declaration of a mother handing down wisdom to her son. Proverbs has shown us how to become wise, make good decisions, and live accordingly to our Heavenly Father's ideals. So friends, today, if you want to become a child of God and spend eternity in heaven, not somewhere else, then I invite you to pray this prayer of invitation to our Lord Jesus with me. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I repent and turn away from my sins. Come into and take up residence within my heart. I believe your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the sin of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself through the Holy Spirit to you. Get into a good Bible-based church so you can surround yourself in fellowship with other believers. And let me be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision that you have ever made. And as you go out into the world, remember the priestly Aaronic blessing from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen.